tonight I'm talking about a subject that has come up this week. Um, the title of it, even though I preached a sermon on this subject uh, uh, August 31st, uh, 2014. Normally I wouldn't readdress this, but because of what happened this week, I think it, it is necessary. It's always a burden on my mind and heart when I hear of a suicide. I just... I just think of such a waste. Uh, you know, I often think, oh, if I could have just gotten to that person uh, while they were thinking along those lines, I could have helped them. Uh, I have had numbers of people through the years come into my office uh, wisely and discuss their feelings that they were having feelings of suicide. So the message title is The Horror of Suicide. The Horror of Suicide. Um, the verses I use, and there's no other places in Scripture, but Matthew 27, 3 through 5 says, And Judas, which betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, he repented himself. Brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood. He had done something that he believed was horrible. And they said, What is it that to, what is that to us? See thou to that. They're real sympathetic. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Um, when people commit suicide, usually there's, uh, you can imagine for something as extreme as suicide, there has to be an extreme reason, uh, an extreme emotion that is motivating them and moving in them. In the case of, of Judas here, he felt, there was no coming home from this, and he repented. Now, there's lots of different kinds of repentance. It wasn't the kind of repentance under salvation. And, and, and peculiar, this is a peculiar case with him because Jesus knew he wasn't saved and knew he wasn't going to be saved, knew he wasn't going to decide to be saved. And knowing that, he, uh, he talked real strongly about Judas in, in earlier places, which are not, we're discussing him here tonight otherwise. But the fact that he had done something that he felt wrong, and he felt horrible about it. In the devil, my mom and dad helped me a lot on this. They said, the devil will tempt you to do something, then sit back and laugh when you get caught. And not only will he laugh after you get caught, he'll come and condemn you. And the very one that tempts you to do it and lured you to do it, he'll, he'll be the one to laugh at you and condemn you and, and castigate you. Uh, you know, and, and that's why we need to think about that when he tempts us. Like, hey, come on, you're just going to tempt me to do this, then you're going to be the one condemning me on the other side of this thing. And he'll tell you that there's no going back, or you can't face this publicly, it'll, it'll be the worst thing you ever had happen to you, and he'll, he'll, you ought to kill yourself, you ought to kill yourself. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands tonight because it's personal. But I'll bet a lot of people in their life at one time or another had contemplated, in this room, contemplated suicide. I never contemplated suicide, but I did contemplate killing people. If it wouldn't be for the grace of God, I'd have been a 64-year-old shooter. Um, you know, I mean, I, I get, uh, I have contemplated a year, and when I was early in my teenagers, contemplating taking a gun and going and shooting people. And thank God, you know, either way is dramatically horrible. 
Because when you do that, that changes your life. And if you take your life, it also changes your life. The devil's idea is to change your life and stop you and, and to destroy you. It's his last thing that he can do against you. I was on vacation years ago, and I heard, of course, Robin Williams kill himself. I spoke about this a little bit. My heart was deep, deeply saddened. Um, it's amazing to me, uh, these comedians that kill themselves. You know, Robin Williams was born the same year I was, 1951. And it's amazing to me that they, the people who make people laugh uh, do that. I, I, through, I have a few sermons I preach along the lines. There was a there was a uh, Latino comedian years ago. I can't think of his name anymore. And he was uh, famous. And he killed himself. And, I, I, you know, just on it go on and on it goes. These people that are, that are in a, making people laugh and you'd think would, would be lighthearted aren't so lighthearted. They have, have issues that are going on, uh, problems with money or fame or family or career or something. I mean, it'll be something along those lines. Uh, women and men both come into me on uh, not every day, but they come in and try to talk to me a little bit about some of these real inner issues. They stay in the office. I never never name. I never talk about it elsewhere. And they uh, hopefully we've been successful. The only person I was not successful with uh, uh, killed himself, and uh, his name was Bruce. And he came in, and, and I was not able to convince him. There have been others. So far, everybody else that did come in and talk to me about it have not, have not gone through with it. Hallelujah, praise God. But Bruce did, and it was, it was so sad after he was warned on this. Let me, let me start tonight with some theology. I find a lot of confusion along the lines of this issue about theological issues, uh, confusion. And so let me try to go on just a brief theological touch on suicide. Um, let me say that what the Bible says, that there is nothing that can separate you from God. That's not my words. Um, it's in Romans chapter 8, verse 35. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who includes you, by the way? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? I mean, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted sheep for the slaughter. Nay, and all these things were more than conquerors for him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. That includes you, by the way, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Well, because once sealed of the Holy Ghost by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're, the Bible says you're sealed unto the day of redemption. God doesn't make mistakes. In fact, wasn't somebody say, does God make mistakes? God don't make mistakes, brother. You said that, didn't you? I listened to you, brother. Rarely, but I mean, I, I do. Not. Except for your medical advice, I probably don't listen. But I mean, I listen to your biblical advice. I'm a horrible patient. But, and he probably said amen to that. But I at least pay my bills. I'm good on that one. But, uh, 
We're sealed at the day of redemption. Uh, Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, which whereby you're sealed under the day of redemption. It says it in other places. Being confident of this very thing, and he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. God, Because God knows the beginning and the end, you don't get saved and sealed unless he knows you're saved and sealed. He never called Judas a believer because he knew Judas was not going to be a believer. Uh, Judas was never, but he's the only one that knows that. God's the only one that knows the heart. God's the only one that knows, reads the thoughts. God's the only one that, that can speak like this. But you and I look on and we go, wow, <clears throat> that is strange. That's because we don't know that stuff. And that's not our area of judgment, really, it's not. I can just tell you biblically, uh, if, if you get saved, and, and I'll say it this way, if you get saved but works, you can be lost by bad behavior. If you get saved by good behavior, you can be lost by bad behavior. Does that make sense to you? But if you're saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, then you cannot lose that which you did not do other than have just simple faith in Christ. And once you have simple faith in Christ, the Bible says we're being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The Bible is so clear that when you get saved, 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6, theologically that you're sealed into the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit, when he comes in, He's, he is never going to leave you, or the Bible is not true. John chapter 14, I think it's verse 16. Jesus said, he'll, this Holy Spirit's going to be with you forever. He's with you forever. From the time you get saved to, the, to all eternity, the Holy Spirit's going to be with you. You were not saved based on your good works. And everybody said, you cannot be lost on bad works. Now, that doesn't encourage people to go out and sin. Because if you're really born of God and have the Spirit of God, you can't sin like you used to. In other words, before you were saved, you could sin with somewhat of an immunity, a little bit of conscience, but not much. But, brother, when you get saved and go out and do that very same thing, it is a, 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 a whoa, the Holy Spirit is in there now, and he's going to rile up your world. It's not, the, the beer is not going to taste like it used to. The whiskey's not going to taste like, the women are not going to be like they used to. The sin, the smoking or whatever it is, it ain't going to be like it used to. Why? You're part of the family of God. Why are you part of the family of God? Theologically, because you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. The only thing that makes you different from the world is you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> That's what being born again is. Born. From above. You cannot, with that said, theologically, let me tell you, you cannot sin yourself lost by one sin or one decision. It's possible that some of these people were never saved. I don't know. That's not my, I, you and I can't judge that. And I'm not trying to tell you that suicide is not a sin. It is a sin, but it's a sin like lying. 
It's a sin like stealing. It's a sin like lusting. It's a sin like disobeying your mom and dad. It's, it, yes, it's a sin. But some people want to try to make suicide as an unforgivable or unpardonable sin. You can't do that. It's not there. If you hit your thumb working tomorrow and, and say GD and have the big one and die, are you going to hell? Because the last words out of your mouth were taking God's name in vain? Is salvation that cheap? Is God that out of control that he can't know who's saved, who's not saved? Let me say that. Uh, it's, it's not out of the question that you'll be driving a car down 41. A Yankee will cut you off, and you'll go a da 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 and hit a post and die right on the spot. And the last words out of your mouth were some bad thing about some Yankee. Which have had, had they not come here, there'd be no prosperity down here. So even when they cut you off, bless them. Or you'd be out doing this. But I'm not trying to downplay the sin of suicide, but it is a sin as other sins. And if other sins are forgivable, and your salvation does not weigh on whether you commit them or don't commit them, because, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm not just going to speak to you. I'm just going to show you. Um, people say, but preacher, suicide can't be repented of. That's true, but neither can any of those other things I mentioned if you die immediately after doing them. You don't have time to do that. But the Bible says our sin, all of our sin, have been forgiven. Colossians 2, 13, 14, And you being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, which were contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Some 600 and, I forgot right now the number of Old Testament commandments, 619, isn't it? Hebrews 1.3, who being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins. How many years ago was that? Well, 2,000 years ago. Sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Why? God knows that it was like a still picture to him. When Jesus Christ died for the sins of those who believed, before the foundation of the world, he knew who was going to believe, who wasn't going to believe. He didn't determine that. He just, he just knew who would be and who would not be, and he sealed them. Twice mentioned before the foundation of the world. And his blood covered their transgressions and really covered everybody else's transgressions who would believe, but they didn't. Revelation 1, 5 to 6, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our, plural, sins in his own blood, and have made us kings and priests unto God his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Acts 10, 43, to him give all the prophet's witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. And there's so much more I'll not go in. 
We do not approach this subject with any kind of arrogance, but with really massive humility. That someone would love us so much as to accept us into the beloved as bad as we are. Come on. You didn't deserve to be saved. You didn't merit being saved. You weren't good. You weren't just ahead above everybody else. And you, you were what Romans chapter 3 said and more. Amen? The poison of asps is under your lips. Now, the devil cannot separate you from the love of God because we just read that, that nothing, no one can separate you from the love of God. But what he can do is mess you up. He can mess you up. He can mess your rewards up. He can mess your eternity up in the area of standing before Jesus, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I think about verse 14 through 16 there. He can mess that whole thing up if possible, and he will try to do that. He will try to mess you up. Well, let me talk to you about a little bit about why not, why, why, why it is it's so important that you do not commit suicide. I do not believe, even if you are a cancer patient and there's no hope for you, that you have the right to commit suicide. I think life and death are in the hands of God. First of all, suicide is not a deliverance from trouble. You know the devil comes by and says, if you do this, you're going to be better off or you wouldn't do it. He does that with a lot of sin. He said, if you do this, you're going to be better off. People do what they do because they think they're going to be better off doing it, not worse off. It's a rare guy that says, I'm going to do this and be terrible afterwards, but I don't care. Most people say, I'm going to drink because it's going to make me sleep better. I'm going to drink because I'm going to be less grouchy. I'm going to do cocaine because I'm going to think better. I'll have quicker. They do. When they did acid back in the 60s, we did acid because we thought we were going to get into a uh, expand our minds into a more of a spiritual realm. And I can say that absolutely does happen, but you don't want to go there. It is not a deliverance from trouble. It, what suicide does is simply deliver you to the judge of all the earth, Jesus Christ. It brings your decisions to the light of God himself. At death, whether suicide or not, I can guarantee you this, you lose your freedom of choice. Right now you have some freedom of choice. I think it's real. I think you have real freedom of choice. But once you commit suicide or death, your freedom of choice is over as far as I know. And God takes over. As far as I know, he sends his angels to gather up those who die. And, uh, Brother Wolf, if, an, if a young man in, in kind of light clothing shows up tonight in, in your bedroom, you know, and he calls your name, you're going. You might as well not call Dr. Crab. You're going. You're going. I think maybe Dr. Crab maybe saw some of them. Uh, you're going when they say go. By the way, if they show up and say, uh, Dr. Gillespie, they won't say Dr. Gillespie. They'll say, Tommy, it's time. And Tom's going. We don't have, you don't have any willpower against God. He says it's time to die. It's time to die. You're going. 
And, and, and uh, from that point on, you're going to do as you're told to do. And you, by the way, you're going to want to. Because what's going to be left here on earth is the old man, the old rebellion, the old I don't want to do, I ain't have nobody tell me what to do. You're going to leave all that here, glory to God, hallelujah. And you're going to be, what can I do to make things better? What can I do to be a better team player? What can I do to facilitate? That's going to be our attitude on the other side. Wow. The rich man. He lost his freedom. He wanted water, no. He wanted some help, no. He wanted someone to warn his family, no. He wanted comfort, no. Some 2,000 years later, he's still maybe asking, and he still gets the same answer, no. In our life, we have many choices. We have many opportunities to say yes or no. We can do this or do that. We have a wide range, it seems, of freedom. But at death, we lose our freedom, man. If the devil comes by you and begins to whisper to you this kind of stuff, understand he's a liar. And understand all the opportunity for your situation to get better is going to be over if you do what he says. He knows that your freedom of choice will be over if you commit suicide. So don't, he'll, he's trying to mess your future up as much. He can't damn you, but he can mess your future up if you listen to him. Don't do it. Suicide will rob you of your freedom of choice. God will then take over. Your future will be determined by your decisions. Yes, you're saved, but your sins and your sins are forgiven under the blood of Christ. But you will be judged by the deeds you do in your body, whether they be good or bad, the Bible said. Uh, take your Bibles and mark this, at least, if you don't go there. Mark this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I mentioned this. Verse 13 uh, through 15, every man's work should be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is, what quality it is. If any man's work abide, which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. That'll be a good thing. It's talking about an eternal reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, loss of eternal reward. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire... And then it goes on to talk about being a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, there have been people who come to me and they say, uh, well, preacher, I'd just be glad to make it in heaven any way I can make it. You are deceived. If you want to succeed here, how much more will you want to succeed over there? If you want to do well here, how much will you want to do well over there? Over, you know here... Let me say this, everything you guys pile together, someday you're going to walk away from or be carried away from. You women got all this, this I bet you've got a lot of little precious stuff. You've got little, you got china you've collected from your great, 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 third, great, fourth, great grandmothers. You've got little, little precious little glasses or you've got little this or little, and, and you can tell I'm out of it, I'm having trouble coming up with something. But uh Pretty soon you're gonna you're, you're going. Ain't the young man's coming? You know he's gonna say you're with me, and then you're gonna. But what about my china? And 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 your daughters will come in there, which haven't really had much interest in you and all that stuff, and they're gonna go. What are we gonna do with this junk? 
You want it? No, I got all I need. You want it? No, I got all I need. You want it? No, I got all I need. Man, our house is full already. Well, get a hold of Goodwill. See if they can come over here with a couple guys in a truck, and they'll shovel the jazz out of here. And if you don't believe that, I ain't far away from what's going to happen. My mom and dad, I took five trailer loads of, of stuff that still had tags on it. You want to know why I didn't want it? My barns are full. I can't put any more. I'm in the decrease mode, man. The only thing I can tell you good about the fires in California, it was a quick reduction of your junk. And really, if somebody doesn't do it for you, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. You're not going to. If I go home tonight and there's just a black soot mark where my house was, I'm going to thank Jesus because the Bible says, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to quote a verse and say, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm sorry, Kathy, but all of that junk you saved up is gone. Now we can rent us a little six by four a trailer and move anywhere in the country. We ain't moving. We'll stay right here. But I mean, we can get a little trailer somewhere, a little 350 square foot trailer and live in it and have room in the closet. You'll have two dresses. I'll have two pairs of pants. We're good. It's the truth. What it says about the judgment here in the third chapter is that there's going to be an eternal judgment. Now, you, you're going to care. You're going to care. And, and I, hate, I hate to say this. All of us, I think, will suffer some loss. I, I don't think there's going to be anybody at the judgment say, oh, boy, I did everything just right. I think we're all going to suffer some loss. Wasted years, wasted years, oh, how foolish. You're going to wish you went to door-to-door more. You're going to wish you read your Bible more. You're going to wish you went to church more often. You're going to wish you witnessed to your neighbors more often, more seriously. You're going to wish you, you, you told your coworkers about the Lord more boldly. You're going to, all of us are going to have those kinds of things are going to come up, and you're going to, but now you have the choice. But at death, you lose that choice. It's solidified. Um, suicide is the devil's last and most effective method for hurting you. He wants to hurt you. He is your arch enemy. He is your nemesis, as I preached on. He's the father of lies. Don't listen to this proverbial liar. He's exaggerating the problem. Have you ever been in a problem and it just seems so big it came over your head? It just overwhelmed you? How do you think about it tonight? What's it look like tonight? It's a lot smaller tonight, isn't it? You're away from it. You're away from it. Long way. Maybe some of you are a long way. Maybe some of you are not so long way. But it, it's just a small little problem now. I mean, it's a problem. It's a bad, it was a, it was bad. But it's not life-shaking bad. You wish you didn't go through it, but you did. You came out the other side. You kept moving, and God dulled the pain. He lessened the memory, and he helped you. People that are in war have post-trauma, post-war trauma. There's such horror they witness. They have this trauma when they come back from war. But it gets better. 
with time. And your problems, as horrible as they may be, will get better by the grace of God if you give them to God with time. The pain will become less and less and less and less. I've had women lose their husbands. We've had some husbands in this church that have been just too good to their women. Mark me down, put me on the internet. Can you be too good to your woman? You absolutely can be. None of you here tonight are probably guilty of that, but I have known some people who were so good to their women that when the old boy died, the women just about couldn't get over the hurdle. That will not be my wife's trouble. Oh, I expect her to shed a few tears, but a few. And that's a favor I'm doing her. And I think all you men are probably doing that same favor. But you, you, I had, uh, is, is, is Riffle here? Uh, Gene here tonight? Boy. You know, I'm getting where I can't hardly talk to anybody because nobody was here when I'm talking about these people. There's nobody here tonight that knows what I'm going to talk about. Wow. Hmm. So I'm not going to talk about it. But if Riffle was here, I could, we, could, we could have a little one-to-one on this. But a guy by the name of Pickering. Does anybody remember Pickering in this room? Oh, Miss Smiley, I forgot you were here. You're old. And my wife. My wife and Miss Smiley remember Pickering. You remember Pickering, right? Remember, he was such a good husband, he died. And she, she pined. There was such a thing in the South called pining away. That old girl pined away. Four years after that old boy died, she, you couldn't even mention his name. She'd break down into tears and weep. And I thought, boy, wouldn't it be something if my wife did that? And then I go, no, it ain't going to happen. But I said, why? Oh, he was such a good man. He was so nice to me, you know. And he did all this good stuff for me and everything. And, you know, but... She didn't hardly want to live, but she did live, and it's not much comfort to you widows when I tell you after your husband dies, it's going to get better, or widower, but it's slow, it's slow, but if the devil came to you and said, well, you ought to kill yourself, this pain, I can't take it, no, you can take it, and it's going to be okay. God's going to use it by the grace of God to comfort somebody else down the road. Once you get away from it enough, you're going to be able to tell somebody that's going through the same thing. You can do, can make it. You can do it. But to kill yourself is no answer, folks. It's just no answer. It creates a problem. Uh, the devil is a liar. He's a proverbial liar. He exaggerates the problem. He's making it look hopeless to you when it's not hopeless. We serve a God of hope. We serve a God that, that will eventually prove himself true to you. And he's a God of hope. When you commit suicide or you do something foolish like that at spur of the moment, it sets a family precedent that the devil will use on your kids and your grandkids, and it'll hurt your family. 
your relatives got to go through the pain of, of telling, how did she die at 19? Or like in the case of her, how did she die at 15? Or how did she die at 12? You got it, and you have to. It's a hardship on your family. Man, don't hurt your family like that. Crazy. Don't do it. It solves absolutely nothing. It presumes on God, it ends your freedom of choice, and it stops all hope of recovery. Now look, bad things happen to people. Man, bad things happen to people. They have strokes, they get paralyzed, they lose everything, they have fire like out in California, they have a hurricane come wipe you out. Uh, bad things happen to people. You get sued. Doctors get sued sometimes out of business. A doctor friend of mine got sued. Um, uh, he saved a guy that was uh, dying. He was a trauma doctor, and he was a surgeon, and he saved a guy. He said, the guy was dying. I literally saved him, and he sued me. He had an insurance company. owed him hundred grand. go bankrupt. He lost 100000 bucks. I think it was. Um, I mean, bad things happen to people. But brother, suicide's not the where to go. You go to God. Go to God. You say, well, he's not listening. He's listening. He's listening. He's there. He's listening. He's going to take, take care of you. Listen, I don't know what bad things lie ahead of you. But I know this whole world's full of trouble. I think it was Job who said, a man's days are few and full of trouble. I text that to you to encourage some of you people. I had Bob Carney tell me, thanks, preacher, with that kind of encouragement. Man's, it's the Bible. Man's days are few and full of trouble. Amen? I text your verses like your face wrinkles. God gives you wrinkles to tell you and to testify the end's coming. And for some of you, you got a lot of wrinkles. Cure to wrinkles is gained 10 pounds a year. Trouble that is when you're 600 pounds, you still look young, but you can't function anymore. But when you lose weight, have you ever been around a runner? They look horrible. People who run, they're horrible. They look like they're death eating a cracker. They're awful. People that run 10 miles a day, I've been around them. They're skinny, they got skin hanging on them, and they look like this, and like, wow, drinking water all the time. Get some Pepsi, son. It'll help you. You say, well, that's skinny people. They live a long time. Well, I can tell you different. We had an old skinny guy in this church here. He was, his, his arms were about big around, no fat on him, had bypass surgery. Folks, don't let the devil deceive you. He's a deceiver, the Bible says. He's, it's, his, it's his profession. He's a deceiver. He makes things look bad that aren't as bad as they look and don't as bad as they seem. And by the way, it's an emotional thing, amen? Don't let your emotions rule you like that. Go to God and say, God, help me. I need help now. Help me. Call somebody. Talk to them. Say, look, I need you to listen to me for 30 minutes. Listen to me. I just need to get it on my chest. 
May God help us that by the grace of God, nobody in this room is ever touched again with that. Father, help us tonight. We pray that uh, we would trust you in everything. That we would not allow the old evil one to whisper to us and obey him. Father, we would definitely believe that there's always hope. As long as you're breathing, there's hope. As long as there's a God, there's hope. And Father, you can help us and will help us if we'll allow you to. If we'll give you the time to. You can come and help us. And we'll come and help us. Father, may your spirit come tonight. I don't know everybody in this room. In fact, truthfully, I don't know the inner thoughts of anybody in this room. I don't even know the inner thoughts of my own wife. But I can say that the devil comes by to people on a regular basis that you wouldn't guess and tries to convince them to do something like this. Father, may it not be so here at the gospel. And may we have a heads up for people out there in the world, too, and help them not to contemplate this. Uh, get, encourage them, encourage them. That this is not a solution. And Father, there could be some here tonight without Christ, their personal Savior. That's the solution to everything right there. That's where you get your sins forgiven. Your name written in the Lamb's book of life and a place in heaven. Why don't you trust Christ tonight as your Savior? Maybe God's been working on you. Maybe a great-grandmother, grandmother, parents have been praying for you to be saved for a long time. You've put it off, put it off. Why don't you be saved tonight? Call them up if they're alive and say, I got saved tonight. I trusted Christ. Why not? You're in a church that's friendly to that. All of us in this church would be excited about you getting saved. Why don't you get saved tonight? Why don't you trust Jesus? The Bible says, Thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. The Bible doesn't lie. Father, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.